Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What is going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome, everybody, into the Overreaction Buffalo Bills podcast post-draft special edition of the Overreaction show. And it has been a long time since we have played that theme music. It's been about, what, three months? Uh, But it's good to have all of you. My name is Joe Miller. I'm the host of this year's wonderful show. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. And uh, tonight, and uh, who knows, maybe tonight only, maybe some other times. I've got a special guest with me. The guy sitting right there, former Buffalo Bill offensive lineman, played every position on the offensive line except for left tackle because that That's position right. was soundly held down by John Pina. <laughs> Jerry Ostrowski, how are you? Joe, I am doing wonderful. It is great to see you. It's great to hear your voice. I, uh, it's been too long, my friend. It's been too long. It's been a minute. It's I, Before the show started, I was like, it's been so long you've grown a beard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. I got this whole shaped up thing. It's what the kids are doing nowadays. It's, yeah. it's supposed to be cool. Yeah, I so I had a COVID beard. Um, yeah, so yeah. like when COVID happened and we were all locked down in New York State, um, there was no barber. Like you couldn't go see the barber. So like it just grew. And I don't remember. It got probably as long as yours, maybe a little bit longer. My youngest daughter used to like to sit on the couch and like, you know, put like ball it in like you know, in, her, in her fist. And then uh, once the barber came back, I had it removed immediately because it did not look good. I didn't have the underbeard. Apparently the, the secret to beard, good beard is the underbeard. Um, and I didn't have the underbeard growing. So, uh, yeah, I had you can find pictures of it. And I think some videos actually would be singing with it uh, on Instagram. <laughs> if you're interested, if you if it, if, the, if if you catch the fancy and want to see the big giant ginger beard, Captain Ginger Beard. Uh, but my youngest daughter still talks about it. Remember when you had that big, long beard? How much I like, you know, it? without the under, you know, without the underbeard, you have the bit of that Amish look going on, you know, <laughs> like the little like you got a chin strap on, man. A little but bit. No, man, I got I got this this this. Uh, girl in town uh cassie she's my barber she does a little bit of everything so i need all the help i can get so that's why i go get professional help with my grooming so to speak dude so i get my beard trimmed right so when i go to the barber i go every two weeks i go to nico jd right. here in uh in uh in buffalo and i tell him all the time dude if i was wealthy i would have you shave me like every other day like i'd come yeah. in and have my beard and my face done every other day like i get kind of a kind of a wild liberating feeling when somebody's shaving and also too it's like <laughs> you know how much trust he, he goes into that <laughs> yeah. i mean think about it you know it's kind of like uh i can't remember it was uh it was the movies oh it was um uh high plains drifter i believe is when uh, clint eastwood was getting his uh beard mm. shaved in town they painted town red um 
yeah, really good scene. Really yeah. good scene. Yeah, no, but it, I, I remember growing up and being like, why would anybody want to have somebody shave them? And then I remember the first time I went to like a real barber, I was in my 40s because that's when it got cool again. Right. And then I was like, well, this is awesome. Hot towel treatment, like the whole thing, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, yeah. more of that, please. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so now I so, so now I go every two weeks. But, yes, you look good. All that to say, you look good. Welcome to the show. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, – uh, Buffalo Bills 2023 right. draft. Now that we are post draft, um, excited to have you with me. Excited to uh, get this kind of little one offer thing out there. Get some content out there. It was, I felt it was time. It was, it's been a minute, so it was time. But you've been doing a very cool thing over on Thursday night. So tell everybody a little bit about that. Yeah, Thursday nights nine Eastern time, eight Central. Line to gain uh, used to be a three man rush and. We quickly lost that third man, so we became we we decided Sarah and I have such a good chemistry. We decided to just keep it the two of us. Uh, we changed the name to Line to Gain, and uh, we've been doing a little bit in the off season. We're going to do one uh, this week, and then we're going to take a bit of a hiatus. Probably go every other week or so until we get closer to the season, and then you know start ramping back up again. Yeah, dude, it's hard. It's hard to create content out of nothing in the off season like it's yes. like during the season it's like there's stuff to talk about all the time but in the off season you you go into the off season you're like this off season is going to be great i'm going right. to kill it you get about three weeks in and you're like uh <laughs> well it's like summertime when i used to do sports radio in, in, in the summertime there's like no content right so it's the old it's the old joke we used to make all the time boxers briefs you know boxers yeah. are briefs so you have a whole bunch of lists what's the mount rushmore of buffalo bills and you know <laughs> That's a that's a great crutch topic to fall back on, you know. Greatest sports movies nine one eight four six zero five nine two five, you know. Um, <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's definitely tough to talk about stuff, but we do have a lot to talk about. I mean, uh, great draft this weekend. Uh, talked a little bit to uh, my my guy locally on the radio today about the draft. Some interesting stuff. Uh, I kind of see trend wise as, mm. as how drafts are going and how teams are building. Uh, teams with the draft now as opposed to really going out and get a ton of free agents. So, you know, a lot to talk about. Yeah, yep. So, uh, well, why don't we just start right there? So when you talk, when, 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 what did you talk about today on the radio? So that's pretty cool that you're on the radio today because I've still yet to be right. on the radio. Um, so, yeah, what was the question? What was the answer? What's the topic? Like, where, were you, where was your head swimming? Well, we're kind of talking about there used to be a trend and it was a John Butler thing. And John Butler was the master of this. They would interview John right after his pick. And they'd say, well, John, where was he on your board? And John would make mm -hmm. the same comment all the time. He'd say, well, you know what? We weren't necessarily looking for a defensive end or we weren't necessarily looking for an offensive lineman here, but he was the number one player on our board. Mm -hmm. And then he said the next catchphrase, which was, we couldn't believe he fell to us. Right. And so we just had to pick him. Right. <laughs> Right. And and I think nowadays, if you look at these these drafts and especially the Buffalo Bills draft, mm. because and, and I kind of hyper focus on that third round pick of Dorian Williams, who me personally, I've seen him play live a few years. He plays at Tulane. My son mm -hmm. plays at Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Got to see him play. I think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a tremendous player. Dorian I Williams. Think, yes. The linebacker from Tulane. And, that's, yep. and I bring him up because. He's the one guy in this draft that seems to be getting. There's been a if 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 Bills fan or Bills Mafia was going to nitpick a, a, a draft pick, mm -hmm. it was him, right? He was a reach. Why, why go there in three when you get him in four? And I think this this draft theory is changing in the NFL, and it and it kind of if you use the Bills as an example, it, 
they are the, you know, this year we had a middle linebacker we had for five years, right? Tremaine Edmonds. Yep. Yes, we all wish we could have Tremaine Edmonds back. The Bears paid him $17 million to, to get him to go to Chicago, right? Something right. we could not match. And I'll be honest with you, even if our cap was squeaky clean, don't know if we would have paid $17 million for, for Edmonds. But I don't think be, because of the five-year option and guys leaving and when they the, the superstars do leave, they tend to get crazy money with 25% of your cap tied up in quarterbacks nowadays, right? And you look at all these teams, next guy up, Bear. After mm-hmm. him, Burrow, okay? Mm-hmm. So pretty soon, all 32 teams are going to be tied up with massive quarterback salaries. You can't afford to go out and sign – that guy for 17 million as a middle linebacker or, you know, 40 million as a defensive end. You just can't do it. Mm-hmm. You can have maybe one or two at the most, mm-hmm. but you can't have a bunch of them like you used to because you have to manage that cap. So now instead of saying, I'm going to make the luxury pick, which is the best available, you really have to do a good job of finding immediate players, starters, or at least backups at the positions you need. So when you look at him at the third in the third round, they I think they truly felt he was not going to be there at four. He was the guy they wanted, so they took him at three because you don't have the ability anymore to take that luxury pick at three. You've got to fill your roster and fill your holes because of the way the cap has to be managed. So I think that's where the this whole theory of the draft is is changing before our eyes it's it seems like i mean the bills have kind of lived in that space the last three years you've got josh allen you've got a great football team the defense is really good you know they were what one then there were three then there were one and last year they weren't as good um and the bills kind of lived in that space of you know oh we have a board and i don't i'm not a believer in best player available and i'm not saying that i'm not right. a believer in the idea right. I, right I very much believe in the idea you make a board about 200 players scratch them off just like we do in a fantasy football draft and whoever's there you take them even right. if it's a wide receiver and you've got four studs at wide receiver that's not what happens so there's a, there's this weird crossover between bpa and you know team needs right and i think there's a little bit of uh lines that get drawn and and kind of like some some diagrams right. that are made on a whiteboard to kind of decide where they want to you know fit dudes and i think there might be some gameplay in there in the sense of you know, well, we want to get this guy to not, you know, uh, Jake Fromm comes to mind, right? We, we drafted right. Jake Fromm, in my opinion, to keep him away from the Patriots right. uh, is what I think was kind of on the, on the minds of the Bills there. At the end of the day, the Bills drafting luxury picks or making luxury picks has hurt this football team. So the idea of we're going to take Greg Rousseau, who played one year as a defensive end in college and then opted out his senior year because of COVID – and now is coming into the draft, and we're going to take him in the first round. Now, Greg right. Rousseau is a decent player, but then you've got all the other guys around him that they've also done that with, you know, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa. There's just a lot of guys that the Bills have kind of like, you know, well, let's see what we're going to do here. Let's take it. We, we've got the luxury of taking a guy because our team is really good versus – and I think the Chiefs got caught up, caught up in that a little bit too. I think the Chiefs right. – and then last year, you saw what the Chiefs did. They drafted seven guys in, in, in that draft in 2022, and all seven of them played in the Super Bowl. Right. And that was my – and you probably heard this last night on the show with, with John Fina. My only hope this year is I got asked, who do you want in the first round? Who do you, you, know, who do you think the Bills should take? Where are right. we going? I was like, I don't care who we pick as long as they play. I don't care who we pick as long as they play. And the reality is, is who they picked I think right. was a great 
pick, and we'll get into the picks more in a minute. But to kind of surmise and wrap up where you're going with this, I want to believe you. I want to believe in a world where teams don't reach for projects or sit and take projects based on laurels and kind of luxury, and we're a pretty good team, and we can do what we want to do here and maybe take a gamble. I want to believe that. I just don't think it's true. I don't don't think teams – I think teams send messages. I think the Buffalo Bills sent a message to their wide receivers in this in this draft. When you draft Dalton Kincaid, who has the best hands in the entire draft, and then you follow him up three picks later with a wide receiver that has a 5.5 drop percentage out of right. 177 targets, he dropped like six passes or some right. stupid number 10. I think you're sending a message to, to your wide receiver group that was bad last year. Hey, we don't trust you, so we're going to go get some guys that can catch the football. And if you can't right. get the football, you're not going to be on this football team. But again, but again, that's not a need pick. That or not a I'm sorry, that's not a luxury pick. That was a need pick. For sure. For Honestly. sure. But I'm just talking about the message. So I think I think right. teams send messages to guys, you know, when you <laughs> when you're when you're well, the I mean, there's no bigger message. I mean, I'm sitting there as a guard and they take Ruben like 13th overall. If there's no bigger message than that, right? I mean, yeah, it's a message, and but it, it's it's the way it goes. I mean, you produce or you don't play. I mean, it's not it's not real hard. Right. Um, obviously, you know, obviously we needed offensive line help. I did find it interesting that even though they signed three guys, they still went ahead and took that second round pick with Osiris Torrance, which was a tremendous, tremendous draft choice by the Bills. Immediate starter mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sends Ryan, be, makes Ryan Bates become the backup swing man, the vet or, backup or swing center man, or backup center or center or center. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the other thing is too, uh, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen there either, but like that pick, I mean, I think the Justin shorter <laughs> you pick danced is... around something. You think what <laughs> I'm pulling, I'm reeling you back in. Cause you danced around something. Hey, you... We're going to talk about Justin shorter, the wide receiver from Florida. No, we're not. This is my show. And we're backing up 25 seconds to what you were just dancing around. So what, in a, with a team that's with a team that has cap issues, and I know we talk about, and and I'm not, I hate, <laughs> I hate this part of it because I love the guy. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good leader. I think he's he's a good player, but he's up there in years. If you get Ryan Bates playing center, almost as good as Mitch Morris, and you need more veteran help, especially, my God, at a one technique position at defensive line or you have a vet out there that you can go get, mm-hmm. does that give you now the the option to move Morse and get that? Because of all the contracts the Bills have that are big, his contract is the one that they can absorb with the least amount of pain. Right, right. And so, you know, you have to look at that. You have to look at that because Bates now, you know, even with being saying – you know, he's going to help them get out of the game and tackle if they need it. There is that, you know, that thought process that if he goes out there and starts really playing well at center, does that open things up? I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that is an extreme possibility now. Right. I I feel like that – I feel like Mitch Morse is a guy that if they – he did it last year. I think if they came to him and said, look, this is where we're at, um, 
and we're about to cut you. And there's not that much of a cap savings to cut him. Will they, will they save some? Yes. But there's not right. enough to, it's not like overwhelming. Like if they cut Mitch Morris, they're going to save $9 million. Like there, it's not that big. That's but not with that a big. team that's tight on the cap. That's a lot yes, of money. Three, 3 million matters, which is a, right. probably about what they would save. So yes, they could go get a guy. A, a three, te- I think they need a three technique for Ed Oliver. I think they need to move on from Ed Oliver. I think Daquan Jones and Jordan Phillips are I fine. Just, I just want, uh, I just want an interior guy that weighs more than 250 pounds. Well, Daquan Jones is that guy, and they, they so and, and my expectation is they'll re sign Daquan Jones even after this year. Right. Um, but Mitch Moore strikes me as a guy that would be like, What do I got to do to stay? Right, you know what I mean? Which, which puts right. the Bills in a position of strength, right? Um, right. but it's good that that offensive line and you're an offensive former offensive lineman is is going to shake out and it's going to be fun to kind of watch in my opinion this year to see because the bills went and got Connor mcgovern right they've got ryan bates they drafted osiris torrance uh there's another uh guard that they drafted um several of those guys can play center including osiris torrance um but i don't i don't necessarily think that ryan bates can't beat out Connor mcgovern you think he cannot or can? I think he can. I think I think so. I think if they move him back to the left side, I think Ryan Bates right. is much better on the left side than the right side. Right. So um, I, I don't think that that's out of the po- realm of possibilities. Yeah, I, I yeah, correct. And what's interesting is Chris Janke, I love this point, and he's not wrong. I don't think Mitch is going anywhere. He's arguably their best offensive lineman. A hundred percent fact. Like Mitch is the most most athletic, the most consistent. Um, he is, as you said, a leader on that football team. He's the most, I think he's the highest paid offensive. Well, Dion might be making more than him now. Regardless, uh, what what the buff the, the message the Buffalo Bills did send through this draft and free agency period is uh Spencer Brown is the starting right tackle for this football team. Yes. And I wish, <laughs> I wish they would have got a tackle that could have pushed either side because I worry a little bit about Dion becoming um I guess the term I would use is bulletproof. Mm, um, that's good. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's really no competition to push him. Um, Quisenberry is fine backup. He's not pushing Dawkins. He's not pushing right. Brown. Right. So if you go ahead and bring in another tackle that can book, that can push those guys, you know, and, and Sarah made this com- this comment the other day about, you know, Dawkins becoming, and I'm, I'm not using the term she used, but kind of a lack, a little bit lackadaisical, kind mm. of complacent, mm. kind of. Um, I guess you would say what what a coach would say. Entitled would be the well, entitled is a great term, but comfortable is yeah, yeah. is the is the term. Comfort, I think those two words go together. Term. I think entitled, right? And yeah. And when you become uncomfortable, all of a sudden you lose that twenty five pounds you gain. You do a little bit more in the gym. You do more exercise. You run a little bit more. You do a little bit more agility. You show up in better shape. And then you play better. Mm-hmm. And so that's my biggest thing with him. I think he's a tremendous talent when he is right physically. And when I mean physically, I don't mean hurt. I mean in shape wise. Yeah. And um, I thought he got a little bit out of just a little bit out of his body last year. And you know, maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see different this year. I don't disagree. So when I looked up on Spot Track, Spot Track had Mitch Morse uh this year, his his cap at dead cap if they were to move on from him at 8.3 million uh sarah just sarah just put up on the comments that if they cut him after june one they save six million bucks yeah so obviously those dates matter and and stuff like that so that's the one the information that spot track doesn't have so six million dollars is a big number and there's people after she posted that asking is that d hop money and yes 
<laughs> yeah. potentially D hop money. And then Freddie says, you know, if, if I'm making the decision between D hop and Mitch Morris and I've got Ryan Bates or somebody like that, that can fill in, right. that's not named Greg Van Roten who caused us to lose two football games last year because right. of that he snaps and him and Josh don't have the chemistry that him and more that Josh and Mitch have. If I, if I can put a, if I can sub a guy in there and get D hop, you know, give me that. However, the D hop conversation is, and, and we didn't even think about talking about this. The D hop conversation is interesting because that wide receiver room, as much as I hated it last year. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure. A good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Justin's shorter and like some of the guys, the Hardy kid and like the dude from Miami that they picked up. I'm actually along with Dalton Kincaid. I'm excited right. to see what they're going to roll out on that football field. Because to me, Dalton Kincaid is a guy that makes Steph Diggs better. Right. And if you could put up Buffalo Freddie's latest comment, he says, um, you know, I can't wait to see Dawkins with a top 25 guard next to him. He's been next to some serious scrubs. Here's my deal. What's the term everybody likes to use nowadays? Him. He is him, right? Mm. Dion's supposed to be him. It doesn't matter who's next to him. Franchise. Yes. Yeah. Does it make does it make life easier? Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna tell you this. You know, these guys, you know, Torrance, he's a young guy. I mean, it's gonna take him a minute to adjust. He's gonna he's be a, fine. He's the right guard. Right. We were talking about that last even night. well, even left guard, it doesn't matter. It, it I don't care who's playing next to him. I think what's weird about that, and I'm gonna evoke a name that's the wrong name to evoke because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But when you talk about what you just said, you know, him and that idea, that right. concept of him, Jason right. Peters. You never heard ever one time after a year that Jason Peters played. Well, he'd have been better if his right, if his left guard played better. It's like, no, no, Jason right. Peters, Jason Peters right. is him. Right. <laughs> Jason guy. Peters is a left tackle and a left guard to combine. <laughs> right. um, you had six linemen. Uh, right. Jason Peters is like 63 years old, and they got people still trying to sign him to play. <laughs> um, his biggest issue was always injury. He just tended to get hurt. But yeah, Jerry, no, Str that's my. You played with you Jason know. Peters, didn't? No, I'm kidding. No, I, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wish. I wish he came but in not know, long after you. It wasn't. It was right. just a couple of years after you left Buffalo. So yeah, this is a big. This is a big. This is a big summer camp for the Bills offensive mm. line because there are talented people. And now you've got a bunch of guys that can play a bunch of different spots and you're going to see a ton of moving around and there's going to be, it's going to take some time to get some chemistry and, you know, get things rolling. So obviously 
Uh, Torrance comes in day one starter at right guard. If Spencer's healthy, you put him and 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 you put Brown and Torrance together. That's a nasty physical right side of the line. I love that. Yeah, a lot of you know, the left side. The left side still a little bit up in the air. How do we, you you said training camp It'd be a fun summer? How do we how do we get John Fina, Ruben Brown, you right like like uh, Glenn Parker and who's who am I missing? Who's the fifth guy? Is it Jim Richard? Well, it, it, it would be it would be it? Kent. It would be Kent. Unfortunately, it's not right. But you took Kent's place after Kent left, right? Uh, well, no, Dusty Ziegler. Then Ziegler. I was in there. They had a little bit of a, a, a few different people. You got Rube. You had me. You had um, Fina. Yeah, Glenn. Glenn Fina. I'm trying to think who else was 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 around. Um, we had a few. Billy Connolly was there. Um, I'm just Dusty wondering how you, how, do you, how do you get you five guys down on the field during training camp with your arms crossed, right? Just food. <laughs> like just food and beer. Up. Food and beer. <laughs> It's not real. It's not real hard. It's like taking a box of Cheetos to the beach and feeding the seagulls. I mean, if you, you know, I mean, it's not real hard. So literally, just put a table, put put five six foot plastic tables in front of you guys with food on them, and you guys will stand behind them. Go, hey, put some put some plastic tables up, and and bring in some dinosaur barbecue. Oh, all right. Now we're talking. And, and we'll in some beer from whoever resurgence, whoever, and we'll be fine. That that would be a good time. So yeah, we got we got to figure out a way to get you and Fina up here for training camp. So yeah, I I, I was I took the, my boys when they were real young back to it. It was a lot of fun. I'd like to go up and see training camp. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good time. So we uh, I got to hang out last year with uh, Joe Marino and uh, Alyssa O'Reilly. Alyssa like Milano was there, and which I know you know Alyssa too. Yeah, uh, and yeah, we and, and uh, Aaron Cromer's wife. We were hanging out with Aaron Cromer's wife because Joe Marino's friend. Actually, I think he was he employed at the time Aaron Cromer's daughter uh, with the Draft yeah. Network. So like like practice is over and mrs cromer's like you guys want to come down on the field and i'm like i'm not sure i'm supposed to be down there she's like come on <laughs> so we all went down the field and i'm like traipsing around there like i own the place it was like it was well <laughs> buffalo freddie and i are going to start a company together called fat guys inc fat guys and, uh, inc and um so we could maybe do uh maybe fat guys inc can put something on uh, Buffalo Freddy just said that Fina Fest is during training camp, so John Ooh. Fina will be here. So I know that you're wanting to make an appearance this year. <gasps> Let's cat out of the bag at Fina Fest. So, yeah, we might have to do that. That might be it. Yeah, that might be it. That might be fun. So that we might need be to look. Fun. I need to look at dates. All right. So so, anyways, we got on all of this offensive line, which is great offensive line talk. Um, by talking about the idea, the concept you said of the of teams, NFL teams moving away from the opportunity to be drafting for luxury. Versus always drafting for need. The problem is, is devil's advocate. When teams get into draft for need mode, they get into that reach mode. Right. And I think what's weird about the NFL draft, as much as it's become big business, as much as it's become an animal and a machine all of its own, to the point that content creators that are hobbyists like myself and you, there's guys out there that do like this is my 85th mock draft before the my final <laughs> draft my 85th mock draft and like and then what happens is the falcons like trade up they get picked 2 and 3 the detroit lions completely make a, a a mess of the entire draft by taking a running back that nobody had going in the first round at all right. maybe even like right. through the second and then they take jack campbell like it, there's a point where it's like even reed Gosh. ferguson is like responding to me on twitter like people are just like ripping up their their mock drafts like they do march madness right. paperwork 
I, I just tweeted out like, yeah, maybe it's time for you guys to do another mock draft and like, and had like a whole bunch of gifts of people just going, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like what is happening? All that to say this, when you talk about luxury picks, the question I'm asking you as the person that's con having, that's conceptualizing this, is it safer to take luxury picks over drafting for need and getting caught with your pants down, reaching for guys we really need X player. We really need X position. And there isn't a good guy like that's slated to go on anybody's draft board for the next 35 picks. Let's call it right. 50 picks because we don't have a pick in the next round. So a guy that's slated to go yeah. in the fifth, we're drafting in the third, and we're just going to take him because we've got to fill that spot. That to me seems more dangerous than drafting for luxury. It does, but I don't think that – here's my question. Who's it a reach to? Is it a reach to you or well, is it a reach to everyone? That's a wonderful question because – You I, know, because here's forget, the thing. Don't forget your spot. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me right. put it. All right. Remember what you're going to say. Don't forget it okay. because your example is Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, yep. who was slated to be taken middle of the second round, was taken by the Detroit Lions in the teens – and it looks ridiculous unless Jack Campbell plays for 12 years. Then it wasn't, Campbell, it's not a reach at all. Jack Campbell will pay for 12 years unless he's, unless he's injured. I think that this is something else you have to look at, especially with Detroit. And this is what I find so refreshing about Detroit. What is, and I'm going to use Atlanta as the, the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> Detroit is obviously, they have a, it, I, I, I don't know. I guess I use the word culture. Mm -hmm. They have a a locker room, or they have a. I, I, I had the, the the term on the top of my at the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember. But they are trying to build a a legacy or a or a culture, or a certain. They're building around a specific thing. If you haven't figured it out yet, mm -hmm. they are they are trying to get draft good people mm -hmm. that are tough players that are are sound and play good football mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they are trying to build that and everything they do is everything they do as a franchise is moving towards that deal right mm -hmm. then you have atlanta what is their what is their their um culture what is their they are They're, not drafting for need. That much I can tell you. <laughs> right. Like, what are they? What are they doing? They need I mean, a quarterback. They're just, I don't draw. know what they are. I don't know what they hang their hat <laughs> on at night. I don't know what they. But you can bet your you can bet your rear end what Detroit's doing. And I, you know, when I saw the Jack Campbell pick by the by the by the Lions, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I laughed out loud, not because I was disappointed, because I looked at that draft choice and I said. Hmm. Who is a special uh who who is a special um advisor who has a special advisory role to the Lions? Who was hired 2 years ago when when Campbell was hired? Chris Spielman. Oh, that's right, yeah. And Spielman is in a in an advisory role. Who you played with, correct? Yes. That yeah. pick has Chris Spielman's hands all over it. For sure all over it and it makes so much sense and you look at it and you could almost you could own now other than the running back which was out of left field but obviously they had a plan because they moved swift immediately afterwards mm -hmm. but 
again, you can almost predict who they're going to take and not take if you study these players enough and know what they're what they're about and what they're like. I think Buffalo's doing the same thing. That Kincaid pick was a, a to me that was a Bills pick. Mm-hmm. He's a mm-hmm. Bills type player. Mm-hmm. Um, Torrance actually was a little bit out of the realm considering what we have signed offensive line wise and body size wise. I'm a huge fan of it. We need big, huge humans. Like Freddie and I talked about on Twitter, um, fat people rule the world and we need more of them. We got too many flat bellies up front. We got too many dudes looking like look, well, Spencer even, Brown. that's Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown. Right. You know, even Fina when he played had a gut. I no. mean, and, and he was and he was pr- as pretty as they come, right? Still is. But it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> still is. But it's like um, you know, seriously, it's there's there's picks that you can kind of predict. That B. John Robinson pick was I have no idea what they're doing because the, the offensive style they play doesn't really correlate to picking that guy like that. Yeah. They play kind of a quirky, flunky offense, and now they're they've gone and got a back that you got to give the ball to 30 times. So or more. Yeah, I think or more. I, I think what's wild about the draft in general is I would love to see an NFL draft, a real life, not a mock, a real life NFL draft where players that are the correct players, guys that are going to play for 14 years are drafted in the order that they should be drafted, which means that guys like Dalton Kincaid, Jack Campbell, Bijan Robinson, like guys that are going to get not sure things, but the most sure of things because teams get caught up and enamored in the need of a quarterback. And they throw away the next two years of their basic team wins and losses because they take a shot at a quarterback, EJ Manuel, way too early, right? <laughs> Geno Smith, which, which, Geno, who knew that Geno Smith just JP needed to Lawson. be drafted? JP Lawson, G- Geno Smith just needed to be drafted 12 years after he was, right? Right. Geno is now like you watched Geno spin the ball in Seattle last year, and you're like, holy crap, that kid can play football. Like, right. what, how, why did the light just go on? And Gino, I think, has done some interviews about it that it just it's it's a tough game. Like football is not an easy sport to play when you're the quarterback. But I just watch these teams do this thing where they take these guys that it's like, you know, he's projected to be, and he's you know, he's he's rough and he's you know, he's a project player. However, if he pans out, then XYZ, and these guys never name me a dude that was a project. Besides Josh Allen, who is the enigma of enigmas, right? The Josh Allen jump is never going to happen again, ever. Like, name me another project guy that has worked out the way that Josh Allen has. And I don't care what position. Defensive line, linebacker, wide receiver, pick a guy. It's never – it doesn't – I'll wait. No, you're you're right on. It never happens. No. Here's the thing. Here's what I was going to say earlier when you when you when you ran off on that tangent. Um, but it is your show. It is my show. Um, so you can do whatever you wish. You can cut me off right now. Say I might. I you. might just. I might just solo. I'm going to solo you. Is what I'm going to do. <laughs> but you realize we we're talking about today on the radio. 2020 draft. They went back and looked at the 20 draft three years ago. There are eight impact players out of that first round. Eight. Eight. Eight impact players. 
Mm-hmm. So you talk about reaches and everything. Hey, man, if you look at that, really all draft picks are kind of reaches, right? You don't know. Right. I know that's no, kind of a, an overstatement, but. It's a crapshoot. It's, it's, there is no right. bigger. I mean, it might as well be playing Powerball. For the most right. part, it might. I mean, it's you're playing Powerball with the guy that's going to be the next first ballot Hall of Famer, or you're like, you know what? You can win fifty bucks if you play these five numbers. So there's some guys that are doing that, and then there's other guys that it's like, I'm going for the billion, <laughs> going for, right. I'm going for seven hundred fifty million dollars, and they miss, they whiff big time, right? But no, I um, I think that you know, look at Pittsburgh's draft. I thought Pittsburgh quietly had an, an, an amazing draft, had a really, really good draft. And you talk about picking players that fit your culture. Offense tackle Broderick Jones, uh, Joey Porter Jr., uh, yeah. the Darnell Washington pick in the third round. Uh, Keanu Benton, I think, is a great player in interior defensive line, a two-technique, three-technique. Um, you can tell the teams that, that understand what they are, and they pick – players that revolve that that emulate that and and are also like what they're trying to do so one of my favorite guys in the whole world chris janky the real chris janky who has been tuned into myself and jay spence since we went live at buffalo fanatics um he says it took lorenzo a long time lorenzo alexander but he definitely qualifies he's talking to what i said about a project player that has panned out first of all he doesn't qualify lorenzo came in as a defensive lineman i believe either was he a defensive tackle? I mean, he weighed like 300 pounds. And when he finally panned out, he was a linebacker and he was a right. third down linebacker at that. And Lorenzo Alexander, as much as we love him in Buffalo, he's not only not going to make the hall of fame, he's not going to make the Buffalo bills ring of honor either. So I don't know that Lorenzo love Lorenzo Alexander. This is not a slam Lorenzo Alexander moment. This is just a, yeah, he doesn't. Not many, that. not many do Joe. If you haven't figured that out, not right. many do make that ring of honor. Not many do. That's exactly right. There's a so, lot of really, really good players out there that that you know, and you know, Alexander's one of them. Yeah, there's guys that belong on that in that Ring of Honor, but uh, that aren't necessarily there yet. But that's a different conversation for another day. Um, but this has been a fun conversation so far. So let's we've got a little bit of time left in the show. Let's right. talk about the draft pick. So you spent a lot of time doing draft prep leading up to the 2023 NFL draft with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I am not a draft nick. This is I, I enjoy the draft a lot. Um, I love the time to get together with my friends. I love the experience. I love to see kind of what happens. And there's obviously always the payoff of who the Buffalo Bills are going to take in that draft. But leading up to this, you and Sarah put in a ton of work. Why don't you break down? And I know you're going to do a show on Thursday and probably talk a little bit about this without giving it all away. Save right. some. Tell us what you thought of the Bills draft, the players, who they took, where, surprises, no surprises. I know you loved uh, uh, Dorian Williams, like you said. Right. Um, Yeah, give it to us. I've had the the opportunity. The the cool part about this draft draft is I've had the opportunity to see three of these players live. I actually saw Dalton Kincaid live as a, uh, I believe, a sophomore when he played at San Diego University, University of San Diego, um, which is in the PI, uh, which is in the Pioneer Football League, the PFL, which is a one double A league that Drake Bulldogs are in. And my son played at Drake and now he coaches at Drake. So I got to see him then. And it's funny how that league tend, they, the one position that league puts out into the league is tight ends. I think there's like three or four that I can remember uh, recently. The, uh, the kid from Dayton went somewhere. 
Um, the, the, the Drake Bulldogs had a guy named Eric Schaubert who got drafted by the Broncos. And he is with, uh, I can't remember who he's with now, but he's still in the league. And then you look at Dalton Kincaid, he's in that league as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kincaid's a tremendous player. And I laugh. I mean, I you know me. I, I'm the sarcastic back row sniper that likes to make little snide comments. But everybody was like, we finally got it. It's fine. I've wanted, I've wanted 12 personnel, Joe, for five years. <laughs> I have not. Spread. And we're finally, we're finally going to run twelve personnel, and my, I, I just said, no, you're not. You're going to run eleven and a half because that dude is not a true tight end. He's not a true. Um, tight end. It, you know, he can, he can be on the field. He's yeah. a good blocker, but he's not a true. <clears throat> tight end. He's he's a he's an adequate blocker. He's he's Mike Kosicki. He's Mike Kosicki plus one, right? Yeah. <laughs> but what he will do is, and the biggest thing that he's going to do is now, with his skill set. You can stay in either regular personnel or too tight, so you can put him and, um, of course, my my CTEs kicking in Knox. You can put him and Knox on the field at the same time. Roger Goodell, and would you can, yes, Roger, Roger, Roger definitely would disagree. Um, <laughs> you could you could put him and Knox on the field at the same time, and now you can run spread sets. You can run different things with him on the field without tipping what you're going on going to do by personnel groupings. So I think that I think that he um he's going to be a tremendously good fit for the team. He's going to play a, probably more of a true H role. Uh he'll be in flex, he'll be off the ball. I'm coining this run. right now. I'm coining this phrase right now. <laughs> double DK. Hashtag double DK. Dawson Knox. Okay. Alden Kincaid. Hashtag double go. DK. <laughs> I like it, man. So kind of like, dub- like the double deuce in, uh, <laughs> right. in Roadhouse. Right. I double, like it. Double, the double douche. Yes, the double DK. <laughs> so he is going to he is going to cause matchup fits because you're going to get him on safeties or and, and, and hopefully outside linebackers, and it's going to cause a tremendous amount of chaos. Now, let's hope that Ken Dorsey understands how to utilize two tight ends that way. Ding, 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 we, yeah. we, we still don't know that yet. Mm. Um, you know, but uh, I think he's, he fits really, really well. The Osiris Torrance pick. Um, and by the way, the best part about our draft pick, uh, even though some people say it's not been confirmed, I truly believe, well, if you saw the look on Jerry Jones's face, when we traded up in front of him and took him, and he looked sick, kind of like that look he had on his face when he found out that, the world knew that he had a, uh, um, as my buddy on the radio calls it, a fun child. Um, he had a very, very sick look upon his face when we moved up and uh, and picked Kincaid. So anytime Jerry's sick, I'm good with that. So I think Bean did a wonderful job there, utilizing the trade, moved up. Uh, Osiris Torrance is, is as advertised. He's an absolute mauler. Um, anytime an offensive lineman can play in the SEC and do what he did, I think he didn't uh, give up a sack this year. Um, big dude, uh, moves his feet really, really well. It's going to give us a right side of the line. It's kind of a road grader kind of line, especially mm-hmm. if Brown is healthy. I dig that. My my One of my favorite picks of the draft, and again, you heard me talk about him earlier, and everybody seems to not like him. Um, if it was Dorian Williams linebacker Clemson, I think everybody would be all in. But because it's Dorian Williams linebacker Tulane, and it's a G five school, but it matters, and his size matters. 
So this, is this, is where, this is where it gets weird, right? Because but you're comparing him to the largest middle linebacker in the history of the game. I, I, I'm willing to concede that. This is where it gets weird. And I said this yesterday on the Phoenix show. You've got Brian Erlacher, who is who is not a normal middle linebacker, first ballot Hall of Famer, six foot five, like the guy. Most dudes are six three, six four, Luke Keekley, right? Chris Spielman, guys like that. And then you've got London Fletcher who was a Smurf, right? You've got Zach Thomas, who was a Smurf that like played well. There's just an aspect of like, is this guy and his, his scouting report says so he has difficulty when he gets touched by a dude like you, he falls over. That's the problem. Look, the guy that just made 17 million bucks, he couldn't get off the of blocks either. Fair. True. I don't care. I don't care who it is. If 100%. a offensive lineman is up in your face right away, that's why I was screaming, you have got to fix the interior of the defensive line because not only is we going to play better there, it's going to make our linebacker play better. I like the guy. I think what we try to do defensively and what the league is going to, he is a prototype. Mm-hmm. He is an absolute prototype. And why did London Fletcher and why did Zach Thomas play so well? Well, Zach Thomas, I hope to God Zach Thomas sent – uh, money to Tim Bowens and um, the other one that played over there. Um, those two cats kept everybody off of him. He made yeah. a million tackles because nobody got to him. I I want I want Dorian Williams. I want all these guys to play well. AK Cash says if Dorian Williams is six foot two, I don't think anybody's complaining. Hundred percent because he's got ten pound ten more pounds on him too. But I I'm still scarred from the John DeGiorgio of the world who Buffalo Bills fans used to argue with me about how good he was. He's right. just underrated and all heart. I don't need an underrated guy who's all heart. I need a mother trucker who can make tackles, right? That's what this I need. I can make tackles. Well, if that's, tackles, gonna, but if that's what he is, then bring me that guy. I, I have no problem with the pick and just like, but then again, then again, you had a guy that was the mo- one of the most productive tackling machines in the draft. And you all poo-pooed on him as well. And that's Dan Campbell. Not me. And and my my point is, my my point is, is that everybody's got to get it out of their head and quit comparing these guys to what just left. Physically speaking, Tremaine Edmonds is an absolute freak show at middle linebacker. For sure. There's hardly anybody in the league like him. Yes. Okay. I get it. But I also know this. He had trouble with angles when he first started playing. Yeah, yeah. He still has troubles getting offensive linemen off of his chest because he's so big. It's, you know, we're not talking about, yes, Ray Lewis is amazing or whatever, but there's only one of those. Mm-hmm. So you got to, you know, I think it's unfair to try to compare him to Tremaine Edmonds agreed because that's just, it's just not fair. Yeah. I'm not. And I don't, I don't want you to misread me. I don't, I don't know about the rest of the mafia for me. I'm not trying to compare him to Tremaine. I'm just trying to compare him to what prototypical, the the definition of prototypical would be an undersized versus properly or appropriately sized. Right. So, and it doesn't mean that he won't be effective or can't be effective. Somebody just put in the, in the chat that uh, Dorian Williams is the same size as CJ Mosley. Well, if, C- if you can give me a healthy version of C.J. Mosley, who never gets injured, bring me that guy, right? For sure, because that what do dude... We ask our middle, what do we ask our middle linebacker to do? Have uh, you ever watched our middle linebacker? What do we ask him to do? 
I'm going to tell you that I don't honestly know because I don't know that we've gotten, I'm going to say the consistency out of that position that the bills maybe have wanted. And I don't, I I'm not convinced and this might hurt your heart. I'm not convinced that this Buffalo bills defense game plans or used to game plan week to week. I think they looked at film. I think they tried to de- to define what the other team is going to do, but then we we're just going to roll our nickel four two out there, and we're going to line up and play football. So I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. I don't know what the Bills are asking that when guy I, to do. Well, when I look at our middle linebacker, we we are trying to we sometimes we, we're side our middle linebacker is a sideline to sideline player. Yes, he carries number. He carry he has to carry number three receiver every cover now and tight then. End, yep. cover the tight end yeah and he he has carry number three and he has to play deep middle in in a tampa two type scheme um i look at this guy and i look at everything he does well that's all stuff he does well um again i don't think that he, it's fair to say well he he doesn't get off the blocks well well none of them do I don't know. That's just what the that Joe Marino said about him right so right. I mean no, I get it. Joe, and, that's fine Joe's a guy that you know, I know, good friends with. Right. Like, no, I respect Joe. I respect yeah. Joe a lot, and I respect his opinion a lot. He studies more than anybody, right? But I just think that I just think that sometimes, um, sometimes we get caught up in the comparison mode, and it's it's just not fair. I think this is the concern. Richard Greenwood says he compares to Tyrell Bernard, who couldn't get on the football field last year. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Well... And the Bills are you took gonna get, are you going to get on the, are you going to go in the field are you going to get on the field in front of uh, Edmonds and uh you couldn't even get Milano? on the field to play special teams like and, and Edmonds was injured last year as was Milano if I'm not mistaken and he still couldn't get on the football I think Balen Specter played more well maybe not true I know Balen Specter played I don't more. think I, I don't know how you can say he compares to he compares to him I just mean, under just the size whatever quickness edge to edge right and like line to line Yada yada. John Fazio of the Super Chat. Thank you so much, John, for being a part of the show. Uh, I think we should also take into consideration McDermott is calling the defense, and he has openly said he is going to be more aggressive. Thank you. Speak about it, Jerry Ostrowski. I think it's a great point, and I said this a long time ago, um, and people were like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and I'm not trying to play this, you're right, I'm, I'm right, you're wrong type thing, but I think it is a big deal, and I think it is a big sign that McDermott is calling the defense. I think so, too. I think there's a couple of things that go with this. I think one is he's lost his patience. Two is there there comes a time in a coach's life where you start getting to the point where it's 50-50, okay? This is another year where they didn't get to where they probably thought they should have got to, and I'm not – please understand what I'm saying here – because this team has gone to levels it hadn't seen in 17 years, right? Yeah. But at some point in time, you have a franchise quarterback. How long can you sit around and wait? You can't. You can't. You blink, he's done. I blink, Jim Kelly retired. What most of these guys will do when it comes down to that point, if they're going to go out on their shield, they're going to be the ones to call it. 
Yeah. And they're going to be the ones to do it if they're going to go out on their shield. And I think there's a lot of that going on right now with McDermott. And and to make that statement more impactful, Jerry, I think I'm okay if you said, you know, they're they're reaching levels that this team has not reached since I was on the football field. Right. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I I agree with that. That is an impactful statement. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a very impactful statement. But and, and here's the other thing about it. I don't know if anybody's paid attention. The AFC East might be the best division of football. For sure. It went from being the worst, the biggest joke right. in the NFL, to being the best division in football. It, it literally is the – right now they're looking like the AFC West last year where we right. came into the season like, holy crap. Like, I hope those guys eat each other right. up so that right. like the rest of us can get in out. Ba- because- in basketball, they call them bunnies. There are right. no bunnies. There are no bunnies in this conference anymore right and, or in this division right um you're gonna have to be on every week and um uh, yeah it's it's definitely tightening up a little bit i think yeah this is a wonderfully fantastic conversation jerry thank you for, for being a part of the show um it's thank all you. it's yeah it's 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 all good stuff i mean it's you know and it's it's fun to have this conversation and it's fun to speculate the thing about what you said about mcdermott and him calling the plays is I don't know this to be true. Again, there's parts of my consumption of football that outweigh other areas. One of those areas that I'm not like proficient in is what did Sean McDermott do when he was the Eagles defensive coordinator? And I or the Carolina Panthers defensive. When Sean McDermott was hired, I was like, who? Right. And I have been told that he was far more aggressive as a defensive play caller in the old days. He was because as an Eagles fan. Yeah. I watched him with Andy Reid. He was incredibly aggressive. There so, were spots. There were spots on the field where they were blitzing, no matter what. So then, blitzing. it then it turns into well, what what's been going on with Leslie Frazier and 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 Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier being here because Sean McDermott is the head coach and I am a firm. Everybody knows if you listen to this show for ten minutes that I'm a student of leadership and I very much believe. And know that Sean McDermott has read a lot of the same leadership books that I have right. read. And he has said in the past, you know, the offensive coordinator is the CEO of the offense. The defensive coordinator is the CEO of the defense. Do I right. have a conversation at times? Do I have a look into it? Are, do they provide me the ability to speak into their room? Yes. But at the end of the day, that is their space. It goes back to when people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe Sean McDermott is scratching these guys like, like before the game. And it's like Sean McDermott is not walking into Ken Dorsey's office and saying, Isaiah McKenzie's not playing today. I don't care what you're right. going to do, but he's not playing. Right. That is right. 100% the wide receiver coach and Ken Dorsey coming to an agreement right. on who's not playing that week. Right. So with the jettison, je, I'm going to say jettison, with the uh, break that Leslie Frazier is taking, I guess the question that I have, and we're going to find out, and I'm wildly intrigued by, is how much different is this nickel four two going to look first? And second, is it going to be a nickel four two? And I don't know that you have an answer, but I'm wondering if you've thought about it. I I don't know. I've thought about it a little bit. I just know that McDermott's, you know, the, the thing that I looked at with our defense up until now McDermott calling the plays, which I do think it's going to get much more aggressive. And you can do those things in that four two five. But I, I always liken the Bills recently like a really, really good blackjack player, okay? Mm-hmm. A guy that's read the books, a guy that knows when to hit, when to stay, right. when to split, when to double down. It's good. They're always going to make money, right? 
But there comes a time, even in those types of situations, you got to do what? You got to gamble. Yep. You got to take a chance. And I think that that style of defense, they sat back and said, look, we've got Josh Allen. We're going to score points. Let's go ahead and not give up the big play. Mm. Let's go ahead and keep everything in front of us. Let's play the percentages. Because the way we play, we're going to win more than we lose. Yeah. Which was awesome when we weren't in the playoffs for 17 years. <laughs> now, <laughs> the expectations have changed. Now it's not a $5 ante table anymore. It's a $100 ante table. Yep. You've got a premier quarterback and premier talent on that football team. And there comes a time when you play Kansas City in the playoffs, the Bengals in the playoffs. Even when you're struggling against the Jets, you've got to take a chance. Yep. And I don't think we've been willing to take that chance. And it's cost us games because we haven't been willing to. I think now with McDermott calling the defense, because at the end of the day, all of it will be on him. Mm -hmm. He's much more comfortable taking the chance. And I think to get to that next level and be that Super Bowl contender and Super Bowl champion we want to be or feel we should be, they've got to be willing to take some chances somewhere along the season. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I think that's uh I think that's a really good period at the end of the sentence of this show. What do you think? Yeah, man. I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to talk about some more draft choices, man. You can give it a run. Give it a, we got we got five minutes. Give it a run. Uh love shorter. I think the shorter pick was great. We Dude, I'm excited a, about that kid. There's an there's a there's Yeah, a, because he's not six foot or less. There's a measure of Writing the wrongs of watching Isaiah Hodgins walk out the door in the middle of the night, which he did. Um, oh my gosh, dude! You want to talk about a scorned lover? You are just you just I can't am. get off that. It's, it's true. Uh, and mean, meanwhile, at the same time, there's a great deal of again the drop percentage. That kid right. doesn't drop footballs. John Fazio coming in with a huge super chat. John, we appreciate you more than you know. To further our point, no one picked up Frazier, and if you look, well. Uh, he said he's taking the year off, so I don't know right. that he's available. If you look at the last play in the 20, uh, 2021 season, and now look back uh, the back quarter of the season this past year, 2022, we were great because our roster was great. We didn't scheme well against the best offenses. They got exposed. This is something that I've brought up a lot sideways. Thank you for the super chat. The biggest example of this, and Jerry, you can talk to it because you played professional football. The the, the freaking San Diego Chargers – it was the Niners, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers play the Miami Dolphins and they basically shut down Tua, right? And then the Chargers yep. doubled down on what the Dolphins, or on what the Niners did against Tua. Yep. And he looked like a scared little kid out there, was yes. throwing the ball to just empty spots on the field, hoping somebody would be there. The Bills come out, the third, like one, two, three, Niners, Chargers, Bills. Dolphins do nothing against the Niners. They looked atrocious against the Chargers. The Bills play them. Nickel 4-2 straight up. They scored 30 points. We won the game, but they scored 30 points. Yeah, I was there. Right. I was yeah, there. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, it, it's maddening. It's definitely maddening. By the way, have you ever paid a quarterback over $100 million uh, or an athlete that, that has to go learn how to fall properly? 
Well, you started that with "Have you ever?" No. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, they do in Den- they do in Miami. I have not. <laughs> Tua made the point to say, "I've been working on falling this off season." Really? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> real, uh, Nick Nick Broker from uh, Ole Miss. I've seen him play. My son actually lined up and played against him. Went against him. Uh, he's going to be a practice squad guy. He's going to need to get in the weight room. He's going to need to work on his body stroke, his body a little bit more. I know he's strong, but there's some things body comp wise, uh, athlete wise to get to the next level. Um, he's going to need to work on. So I think he'll end up being a practice squad dude. Yeah, sure, and Alex sure. Austin, the cornerback from Oregon State, um, that's got Christian, uh, was it Bedford from Villanova written all over it? I think that's another late round DB that's going to be a, a contributor for the Bills. I think that's a wonderful pick. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been tuned into the Overreaction Buffalo Bills podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Special guest for this episode has been. The one, the only, Jerry Ostrowski. Jerry, tell them where everybody can find you. Uh, first of all, you can find us on Thursday nights on the uh, Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network, um, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, online to game with Sarah Larson. Also, check me on Twitter, uh, at Ostrowski underscore Big O. And then, I've, I don't know if you saw that, also known as The Truth. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was the draft guru last week. But no, that's where you can grab me. I love, uh, I love, I man, our Bill's Mafia, dude. Our our Twitter family is amazing. It is I amazing. It. I agree with you. I enjoy it. Not as amazing as you, though, Joe. Oh, stop it! This has been a wonderful show, and uh, a large part of that reason is because uh, you have brought the fire. You brought the heat for this episode, Jerry. Thank you. As it says, I just try to bring. The, I try to bring the truth. I don't do really well at lying. I always got in trouble because I couldn't talk my way out of it. Same. I'm right. My mom is in the chat. She can confirm that for me. Oh, is that who that was? Bonnie, chirping yeah. at you the whole time. Bonnie Clark is my mother. Yes. Oh, you gotta love it. She's just my, like my mom. I get more grief from my mom than anybody. Yeah, my whole family shows up in this thing. My sister, my uncles, you name it, they're coming. My brother, like awesome. you name it, they're entering this chat. So, uh, but uh, ladies Perfect. and gentlemen, thank you so much for being a part of the show. For all the commenters, all of the super chatters, thank you for being a part of the show. Love you guys for Joe Miller, Jerry Ostrowski. Uh, coming up next, intentional grounding with Sterling. But for us, go Bills. Go Bills. What love. Well,